Welcome to Momentum Church. Amen. Man, during that worship service, we were singing about Jesus being worthy. How many in this place believe that he's worthy? He's worthy, man. I don't know about y'all, but during worship, I'm about to jump out my skin. I'm, being, I'm just being honest. Man, God is so good. Say he's worthy. Yes, he is. You know, this is the beginning of, for us, this next three weeks as we go into our Christmas series and season, it's the beginning, I would say, of our Advent in a sense. And what Advent means is coming. It means the coming. How many has Jesus come to your life? Amen. Yes, he has. And with that, there's a reason to be excited that he has come because when Jesus comes, deliverance comes. When Jesus comes, hope comes. When Jesus comes, health comes. When Jesus comes, marriages are healed. Man, this morning we got to pray for a man. Literally, his heel does not exist. It's gone right now. And we begin to pray this morning. I'm believing God to do a miracle in Kim's life. Where are you at, Kim? Everybody stretch your hand toward Kim. He had a foot thing take place where he damaged his foot. They removed his... Thank you. Heel bone. They took it out. They put an apparatus in it. That thing got bent, and they've removed it. They don't think they can give him another heel now. But we know somebody that can. Amen? Let's pray, Jesus, in the mighty name of who you are, Jesus, our Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals. God, we speak in the name of Jesus that you would do a mighty work in Kim's life. And that calcaneous bone that you created, you named it. Lord, God, I thank you for its healing right now, Jesus, in your precious name. Give God some praise. Amen? Yeah, he is, he is worthy. He's worthy because he's king of kings and he's lord of lords. And I want to get into this series over the next three weeks. It'll look similar to what we were doing around Thanksgiving time because we did a two-week part called Hosting for the Holidays. And we begin to look at hosting the person of the Holy Spirit. I'd recommend if you missed that to go back because the Holy Spirit at work in your life, oh, it's worth knowing what invites him into the place of your life, amen? So go back and look at that. Over the next three weeks, we're gonna be looking at hosting for the holidays, Christmas edition. Just a little shift, right? And I wanna get into, I just said about a king, the king of kings, the Lord of lords, and I wanna get into this idea of a king because think back, middle ages, you know, the kingdom would await the birth of the next king. The kingdom would wait for this little baby to come that they knew would be the future ruler. And they would treat him as the ruler at that time, even with honor and with esteem. And the palace would be prepared to bring this baby home to receive this child. The nation would anticipate the future king showing up. The boy king is born. And with all the pop and circumstances, he is received, he is celebrated, and he's hosted by those who hail him as king. Can you picture that? Just be a part of that nation right now. The hopes of your, your community and your country all rest upon this king. And he comes. I could see him like Simba holding the baby up, you know. And everybody in the kingdom, oh, they're just cheering and exaltation. They're so glad the king has arrived. Now, what I want to do is look back about 2,000 years ago from today. Because there was a boy who was born in Bethlehem. But the recorded history of Jesus' life from the beginning to the end of his life was marked not by exaltation, not by heralding, long live this king, but the, herald, the story that was marked of this kid's life was one of, everybody say rejection. 
I want to preach on rejection today. It's kind of a weird sermon for a Christmas series. You know, you want to get preached happy during a Christmas series, but you guys know I'm a teacher and I want to teach you truth that helps you break free from things that try to hold you down. Amen. And so we're going to be looking at the subject of rejection. And so we can see that from the very beginning, this babe born, literally there was no room for him in the end. No place. He saw the door closed to him. There was rejection, if you will. Now, fast forward 30 years, and guess what? Jesus would say. He would say, there's no place. Foxes have holes and dens, but there's no place for me to even lay my head. The end door was closed to him, and now he doesn't have a place to lay his head. Does he sound like a king or not? But he is, amen? From the very beginning, you have King Herod, who has set his attention upon killing him. King Herod wants Jesus dead from the start. And at the end of his life, shouts of crucify him, crucify him, would ring out through the city of Jerusalem. I think Jesus understood rejection, didn't he? The Bible says he was truly despised and rejected of men. Now, when I think about Jesus around this time of the year, I see him as eight-pound baby Jesus, you know? I do. I, I see him as Ricky Bobby Jesus, you know? Just cherubic and sweet and cuddly and containable, manageable, you know? Sweet, precious, innocent, can't, can't rise up and hurt one soul. That's kind of how I picture this little baby Jesus. But guess what? When he showed up on the face of the earth, he was a force that would change the world forever. He was a man that brought a new dynamic into play. He espoused a set of kingdom teachings that flew in the face of politics, flew in the face of religion of the day. You know what I love about that? Your pastor hates politics. Can I just tell you that right now? I do. You want a vaccine? Go get it. You don't want a vaccine? Don't go get it. You want to vote this person? Hey, it's your choice. You want to vote that person? Hey, it's your choice. I'm sorry. I'm just being honest. I will not let politics divide this house. Amen. Amen. We'll preach truth. We'll preach a standard. We'll preach the gospel of our king. But we're not governed by the kingdoms of this world. We're governed by the king of kings, the Lord of lords. And we're building a kingdom better than this world. Amen. Woo. And everybody's invited into that. That's not in the sermon. So if that hits you and you're mad, blame Jesus. <laughs> but men, literally at that time, like Herod, they begin to feel their power in jeopardy. They begin to think whatever they had to do to be able to stay in control. So from the very beginning of Jesus' life, he faced rejection. I mean, everybody wants to host a baby. Everybody wants to host a baby, but a king whose authority rises above any other king, that's another story. Every one of us in this room want a baby Jesus, cuddly, meek, and mild, but a king that demands the rulership of our hearts, the king that demands our lives and nothing less. Ooh, I don't know if I want that king. 2,000 years ago, they began to reject him, and we reject him still to this day at times. Jesus understands rejection, Amen. So these people that were in power, they begin to lash out. And in lashing out, they painted Jesus with the picture of being a madman. They painted him as a heretic, as a blasphemer. They like, like painted him to be crazy. And his followers would be crazy too. And so what I want to do today, I want to talk about when you want to be received, 
or hosted, if you will. You want to feel welcomed, but you feel like you've been rejected. You, you want to feel like people are appreciating you, understanding you, but you feel, everybody say, rejected. Yeah, yeah. Can, can I ask you all, how many in this room, in your life at some point or another, you have felt rejected in your life? Raise your hand. Yeah, yeah. Now, this is a little more intimate, but how many know God does something in a house of authenticity? Amen? How many right now, you're going through something where you feel rejected? Okay, I see those hands. Man, this is going to be a good day. Amen? Shout good day. Yeah, we need this. We need this today. I mean, I'm happy for cocoa and stockings on the mantle and all the fun stuff, all the paganism that we celebrate. No, I'm teasing. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah, I'm happy for all that. But sometimes, man, our hearts need to understand why they hurt, why they're broken, why, why God, if we're not careful, we won't let God shape us into who he desires us to be because of the pain of rejection that may have happened a long time ago. So we need to get this fixed. That'll be the best gift we can give ourselves today is getting past the rejection that we have embraced that has shaped us. And so huh, I want you to stand to your feet. I like to stand to honor God's word when we start. I want you to open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 2 as we look at this portion of the Christmas story. And this is the portion where the wise men are coming to worship Jesus. And Herod, he kind of circumvents this, this trek and begins to speak to the wise men about his interests or his perceived interest. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem. That's about five and a half miles from Jerusalem. He said, go and search diligently for the child. And when you found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose and went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother. They fell down and they worshiped him. Now watch this. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold, frankincense, myrrh. Now, here's what's crazy about that. We're going to see, I'm not going to continue to read. I'll just kind of tell it. It says, and being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. But you can see that even though Herod, it was a ruse, Herod told them to bring him. I want to worship this, this king as well. But the idea would be that they would bring Jesus and he would slay Jesus. It was a ruse. But even with a man wanting your head, Jesus received gold, frankincense, and myrrh. So what I'm trying to say with that is this. Even in the midst of rejection, there's a lot more things for you to get your eyes on than the one that wants to kill your reputation, the one that wants to bring you down, the one that you don't feel accepted by. What I want to say to you is get your eyes on the gold, the frankincense, and the myrrh. Get your eyes on those gifts of honor. You know what I mean? Because there's every one of us in our life, there's things that are good to look at, that are positive, that, that, that are hope-filled and faith-filled and joy-filled. But for whatever reason, and I'm bent this way too, my eyes go to the negative. Can have 200 friends, but the one that doesn't want to be my buddy. And I can get my head in the sand. You know what I'm saying? Anybody like that? No. I feel rejected. No. Go ahead and have your seat. So that's kind of what I want to walk through a little bit today, all right? <clears throat> Let me just build a little bit more on Jesus' rejection. 
So we can see Herod wanting to kill him at the beginning. We can see Jesus say in Matthew 21, as he was speaking to those that were following him, he said, have you never read in scripture? And then he quotes Psalm 118.22, and he says, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone or the chief cornerstone. In other words, that's who I am. I'm the one that was rejected by all the religious, but I'm the one that you need to have a foundation up underneath you. I'm the one that you need to be having your faith built on. And so you can see here that he was, was rejected. Goes on, Isaiah 52, 5. Continually, all the day, my name is despised. One chapter later, Isaiah 53, 3, very famous chapter. It's the chapter of what's called the suffering servant, speaking of Jesus and the sacrifices he made. But in verse 3, it says, he was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. As one from whom men hid their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Can you hear the rejection in that scripture? Yeah. John 1, 1. He comes to his own people, it says. He comes to his own, but his own doesn't receive him. Man, Jesus understood rejection. And let me just say it this way. If Jesus, if he received that, right? If Jesus wasn't received, what makes you think you won't face rejection at times? I mean, if the one that we serve, the one that is perfect, that is holy, that never sinned a day in his earthly life. If, if that one is rejected, I guarantee you this sinning dog is going to be rejected at times too. Amen? And all y'all too, right? And so this time of year, it's the season where we begin to host others in our home. We prepare our homes for guests and we live with expectation. Say expectation. Yeah, we have this heart full of expectation as our friends and our families gather to experience those rich moments of friendship and family together. But here, I want you to hear something. Listen real close. Any time in life that there are great expectations and those expectations are held, it will foster an environment where other intense emotions are experienced, right? I mean, this could be a year of, and a season, rather, of joy and celebration, but for many, it's a season that reveals the pain and reveals rejection. It's a season where you have all this expectation going into Thanksgiving dinner or into Christmas dinner, and you're hoping above all hopes that Uncle Ned's not going to show up and mess everything up. And Uncle Ed comes with all that expectation built up. I knew he was going to do that. He always does that. You have an Uncle Ned, somebody that just always, you know, oh, you can't let anything be good. Why do you always have to mess stuff up, right? And all those heightened expectations, please have those expectations, but just know it creates a vulnerability with us to face some emotional, at times, tension and experiences. And so with that, one of the most difficult, dark emotions that can rise in our life are the issues that deal with rejection. Those emotions come. And let me just give you a definition of rejection. Rejection can be defined as the act of pushing someone or something away. That's what rejection is. It can refer to a person or a thing that is treated as if they just don't measure up to a certain standard. Your mother-in-law, you can never do good enough by her. I heard 
I heard my mother-in-law wears her glasses when she sleeps at night so she can see me suffer better in her dreams. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Mom, I know you're watching. I mean every word of that. No, no, I just, I'm kidding. I love you. I love you. I, I kid because I love. Um, no, so it, it's, <laughs> it, it's, it's, you just don't feel like you ever measure up at times with certain people. And when you reject a person, it shows them that they're unacceptable, it makes them feel like they have no value, that they, you don't want them to belong, or you don't feel like you belong, that you're unwanted, that you can't fit in, you're unloved. All those kinds of emotions arise. One may experience rejection from one's family, a friend, maybe a romantic partner, and the resulting emotions are often great. But that can be just like little things too. Rejection can be large or small, but it still hurts, Right? And so when it comes to rejection, rejection communicates this message through things like disgust. You can see that look. You can see that face of disdain. Maybe it's that impatient answer that you've received. Maybe it's a snub that you've received through silence. I don't know why they won't talk to you anymore. We were friends all the way back in high school. And next thing you know, I don't know what happened. They just started distancing themselves from me. They won't even return a call. All sorts of ways to feel rejection. I want to give you some some sin, 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 um, words that are similar to each other. So, thank you. That's the one. It's not going to come out my mouth well. Non-acceptance. Now, listen, when I say these, if the Holy Spirit triggers something in your heart, just know he's starting to do a work, okay? God's going to do a work today. We're going to get down to some stuff and allow Jesus, the King of Kings, to pour in the oil and wine to bring healing to our heart. So non-acceptance dismissal, abandonment, forsaking, desertion, exclusion, shunning, cold shouldering, ostracizing. Those are all different feelings, emotions, and actions that make you feel, to your core, rejected. And we've all been rejected at one point or another, whether it be from a new love interest or a job you applied for, or maybe a new group of friends that just, you can feel that they're disdaining you and backing away from you. Whichever kind of rejection you're facing, the fact of the matter is rejection hurts. When you put it all out on the line, you're like really putting yourself out there and you still get that hard no. You still get that talk to the hand. You still get that distance, that disdain. You still feel that. Man, it'll make you curl up, go into protection mode, and it'll make you like, I will never trust them or maybe even people again. Sometimes it gets so deep, I will never trust God again. And the walls start to come up. And, and it hurts. I mean, like, the reason why rejection hurts so bad, you guys want to know why? Here's the reason. Because the pain pathways that are in your brain on a neurological level, rejection piggybacks on the physical pain pathways in your brain. Did you know that? That's why the pain of rejection is so visceral. When I was doing the all um, the above the line series, I talked about feeling the feels. It's good for us to, to understand where that tension is coming from. You got stress, you feel it in your neck, right? Rejection, you feel it. It's visceral. You feel it in your gut. You feel it in your heart. It, it crushes you. 
And like I said, it's because it follows those same pain pathways. Uh, An MRI study showed that the same areas of the brain become activated when experiencing rejection, the same as if we were experiencing physical pain. This is why it hurts so bad. Uh, It blows my mind. As far as the brain is concerned, a broken heart may not be so different from a broken arm. And here's the problem with that. How many's ever broke a bone? I have a broke arm, bad, still to this, I mean, it's not broke, it's fixed, but most of you don't realize that. 20 years ago, I was 29 years old, and I hit this jump on my dirt bike crazy, and from about here, my buddies that were with me said, your core was about 12 feet in the air, and when I landed, I snapped the humeral head off of this arm, and I broke the humeral head into four pieces. That was about 1.30 in the afternoon. And my buddy's like, don't worry about it. It's just out of place. We'll help you. <laughs> Yanking on my arm. I'm just, I'm, I'm Christian cussing, you know. They're trying to pull that arm up. And I'm like, it's not working. It's not working, you know. They get me to the doctor. I get to the doctor about 1130 at night. I had never, ever heard an orthopedic surgeon or a doctor curse before. And he pulls out my x-rays and he, he, he was very explicit in letting me know I'm stupid what in the world did I do that for? And I have um, messed up my arm permanently. And so you didn't know this, but this arm is actually crippled. So this arm does not go that way. That's it. Literally, okay? I need something over there, I turn my body and I grab it. This arm, this arm doesn't have any external rotation. At night when I sleep, it's about eight inches off of the bed. When I first did it, I'd scare myself. I'd wake up, oh good gosh. <laughs> <laughs> get him, Amy. Get him. There's a burglar. Get him, Amy. No. I've gotten used to it in my, you know, I've gotten used to it. But, but um, so I got a plate and 11 screws. And I say all that to say that because of that crippling, because of that injury, I carry that arm differently. I, I, and, and if I would have went earlier in the day when it first happened, may have been able to protect some of that. But the man said, he goes, Ross, you're only hanging on by muscle and tendon. Nothing is holding your arm. He's like, you could have busted an artery or anything, you know? And, um, and so that's what it is. So I carry this arm differently. Again, you don't notice because I, I have learned to adapt to it, right? But on the same level, whether the rejection we experience is large or small, that one thing remains constant. It always hurts. It usually hurts more than we expect also. And if we don't deal with it right, it will create crippling to our identity, a crippling to who we are, who God can use us to be. Don't you think the enemy would love for us to be crippled? To, to have something that keeps us from moving into our full potential? Oh, yeah. And so often that tool is that rejection. Rejection causes emotional wounds, which if not cleansed and released, they will grow and fester into spiritual wounds. So that initial hurt is like a sword. It comes in and it cuts you. It comes in and it strikes you. But the real double-edged sword of rejection isn't what happens to us in that moment, but it's how we interpret what happens. It's how we manage and deal with what happens. It cuts us twice, if you will, all right? And so in other words, when rejection happens, there's some fruit. If we don't handle rejection right, there's some fruit that comes from rejection. 
And I want to walk us down through some of the fruit of rejection because the goal of the enemy is to get us built up with emotional baggage inside and negative feelings in our heart against our, other people, against ourselves even, against God. That, that emotional pain that goes into spiritual pain, the emotional wound that festers into spiritual wounds, it will manifest in areas like unforgiveness. It'll manifest in areas like envy or blaming. And when blaming happens, you blame yourself sometimes. You blame other people, you know. I know Matt did it. You blame whatever. You blame God. It's just part of our nature. And so blaming. And there's some common symptoms of rejection. And I want to walk down through, and there's a bunch here, okay? So I'm not going to preach into these too much. A few I will. But we want to go home, right? I, I, I mean, if you want them all, we can preach an hour and a half. You want them all? No? Okay. If you want to, we'll just, I'll just preach my sermon, an hour and 15. It's okay. So here they are. Now, here's what I want you to do. This is an exercise of allowing the Holy Spirit to speak. Amen? Not that I'm the Holy Spirit, but somewhere between the words in your heart, the power of the Holy Spirit is going to manifest on these words. Amen? And he's going to pinpoint something in your heart. And if these trigger your heart, then it's God saying, okay, here's the root. Here, it's the rejection. Here, here's where that's coming from. And we're going to give that to the Lord here in a little bit. Amen? And so here's one common symptom or fruit of rejection. Self-pity. Self-pity. Something happens and I'm so stupid. I'm ridiculous. I can't believe me. I'm, I'm awful. I'm self-pity. Another one is fabricated personalities. I so want to be accepted by people that in the moment I will make who I am different just so my identity in that moment will line up and allow me to be accepted. I don't want to be rejected, amen? Y'all, I'm bad at this. I talked to somebody from Alabama. It don't take me too long before I'm getting real country, you know? <laughs> I'm telling you right now. I mean, like right now, you know? My mom is from Pikeville, Kentucky. It don't take me long at all to get there, you know? I mean, it doesn't matter. And I got to check myself before I wreck myself because, I mean, I could, I, I, I could be with a valley girl. And next thing I know, I'm like, like oh, my gosh. <laughs> like, gag me with a fork. <laughs> you know, I mean, like, oh, you know, I, whatever. I could be with one of my Hispanic friends. and like, hey, I say, how you doing? You know, I mean, like, I have to work on it. It's just too easy for me to fall into that. Why? Because I was the short, fat, white kid growing up in an almost black neighborhood. And all the neighborhood kids were my buddies. But at school, they didn't know who the short, fat, honky was I'm just being honest this is the 70s right so they didn't know who I was and so and my mom and daddy didn't help much I didn't get to go to school with Ron DMC on my shirt my mom and dad sent me to school looking like freaking Harry Potter I'm serious we don't wear t-shirts we wear collared shirts and apparently v-neck sweaters and corduroys <laughs> Oh, it's so true. <laughs> but it created something within me that just wants connection and wants to relate and wants, you know what I mean? And I think there's a heart of an evangelist in there somewhere. I want to reach all people. But man, that identity, sometimes you chase a fabricated personality. Here's another one. Feeling that need to fit in or be accepted by others and be a part of everything. Here's one. 
the tendency to reject others so you aren't the first one to be rejected. You ever met somebody that's so prickly, like a porcupine? And you're just like, oh my gosh. Man, that prickly person is probably just hurting because they don't know who they are. And they act like they act rude because they want you away from them because they don't trust themselves in the moment. Does that make sense? I wonder if instead of getting angry with those people, if we can start to see the little porcupines in our life. Oh, sweet little porcupine. With compassion. I mean, I usually look at them with vindication, anger. I'll slice you up, porcupine. I'll, I'll cook you. You know, that's kind of my mind. I want to I attack. I'll attack you before you attack me. Oh, wait a second. It sounds like both of us are having the same issue. Right? But I have compassion for myself. I have a reason to reject you. But they don't have no reason to reject me. See how those fingers pointed, point back at you as well? Oh, yeah. A tendency to always wonder if a person rejects or accepts you. What's that look like, Pastor? Self-talk. You're talking to somebody, you can't even hear what they're saying. Because in your head, you're thinking, what do they think of me? Did, did I just say something stupid? Was that right? Did I say that right? Will they still be my friend? Will they still make the deal? Will they still buy from me? Will they still, whatever it is, businessman, will they still? And you're sitting here playing this inner dialogue and you're missing what's actually happening in the moment because you're wondering about rejection and acceptance rather than just being in the moment. Another one, inability to be corrected or receive constructive criticism. Oh, you didn't know that comes from rejection, did you? Yeah. I will not be rejected, so my stuff is always right. If I'm always right, I don't deserve to be rejected, right? Yeah. That's, that, can you see how this stuff, though, is like a broke bone that heals wrong and it affects you for life? Rejection creates an environment where you are starved for love or you just don't fit in. It creates an environment where there's a tendency to blame others, even God. God, why did you make my nose so big? Or God, why didn't you give me this talent? Or why didn't you? We can blame God even in the middle of this. Rejection at the core can bring forth a sense of pride. How dare they reject me? It can bring forth an opinionated personality that need to be right about everything. Feelings of worthlessness, insecurity or hopelessness, feelings of envy, jealousy, even hate can be rooted in rejection. Fear of confrontation because your identity is based upon what they think of you. I can't tell them what I really think. If I tell them what I really think, they won't want to be my friend. Here's one that I wrestle with from about 19 to 25. That idea of overachieving, that idea of just working hard, you know, going at it, that performance mindset, that, 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 that drivenness, because I wanted, that, that, I wanted to be perceived with an identity that, man, he gets the job done. I was a young pastor. I wanted my pastor's approval. And my pastor never did that to me. That was me. But I wanted my past, I wanted people in the church to be like, Pastor Ross will always drop anything to come help somebody. Yeah, and about three or four years into the marriage, I was hurting my wife because of that. 85, 90 hours a week trying to prove myself. Why? I didn't want to be rejected. Thank God I got healed of that years ago. Rejection hurts. I mean, even on the home front, you know. This morning, I realized before I came, I didn't have my hearing aid. I got out of the truck, and Pastor Tyler said something. And it was, looked like this. 
And I realized, oh, crud. So I call Amy. I get on the phone to Amy. And I'm like, hey, can you bring me my hearing aid? She's like, where is it? It's beside the bed on the nightstand. It's got the little rubber booty on it, you know, or the little, there's a little protective thing on it. And she said, she laughed about me saying the word booty, which I thought that was funny. And I don't know why it was funny, but in the moment this morning, she said, you said booty. <laughs> These are the deep conversations your pastor and his wife have. <laughs> Oh, gosh. So, <laughs> so I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. She goes, I'll put it in my purse right now so I don't forget it. And I'm up here talking to Bill, the guitarist. I'm talking to Bill. And um, she comes up. Hey, you got, my, you got my hearing aid? And I can just see it on her face. And I go into, what? Are you kidding me? You know, you, you actually were walking to it with your purse open, it sounded like on the phone. You know, and guess what she felt? Rejection. So, you know, it was one of those things where we always feel that stuff. It just happens. It's so easy to feel rejected. And, and I gave her a reason. I, I was rude to her, you know. And so she leaves. And um, right before service, I'm like, man, I can't go up there and preach because I'm stupid. <laughs> and I need to fix this. And I, well, I actually left worship and I went looking for her. I don't know where she's at. She's in one of the kids' classrooms. I can't find her. And so I came back in. And while worship was going on, I'm texting my girl. I'm stupid. I love you. I'm sorry. You've worked so hard this week. You know, Pastor Mike Gaither passed and went on to heaven three weeks ago. And Annie, she's, she's not doing really good right now. And so for them to get a break, her son, because he's been at her bedside all this time, um, Amy went over two days this week and just hung out. We love Annie. Annie's like a, like a, a well, she's a mentor to Amy. And, and she did so much. And tonight's our staff party, our Christmas um, staff and board party. And so Amy, you know, she was killing it last night, getting things ready for that, probably four hours. And, and then this morning, I'm going to reject her like that, you know? So... It's just part of our life. That can create that wound and left unattended. And one text message does not make it right. Come on. Every woman in the house is like, you're right. <laughs> you need some flowers and a dress, you know. <laughs> Wine and dine that girl. No. But, but, you know, I just realized, I mean, I, I, literally it was like, it didn't get lost on me how easy it is to be rejected and to reject just so easy. And then you can see how the enemy can get involved and mess that thing up. Like they, he can take that and go from an emotional hurt to that spiritual hurt. Do you know how marriage is in a divorce? Rejection, left unhealed, left undealt with by both parties. Sometimes you're in a situation where one party wants to get fixed, the other one doesn't. That ties your hands. You know, I get that. You know what's awesome about that? I feel like the Spirit of the Lord wants me to say this to you. God, if you're in that situation, God will not hold your future hostage because of the will of another person. Just know that, amen? You set your heart toward the Lord. You go after God. Yes, you may have messed some stuff up. You get it repented. You get before Jesus. You grow. You develop. And prayfully, that spouse will come back. If not, guess what? You continue on in your healing. Amen? All right, I got to keep going with this. So, <clears throat> excuse me. <clears throat> so how should we handle rejection? I want to give you a few quick things. Number one, have zero tolerance for self-criticism. That's the first thing. When you feel rejected, have zero tolerance for self-criticism. But pastor, the, I mean, you just said that it, it, the root of that is that you're always right. You try to always be right. No, no, I'm not saying self-judgment and correction. Like, yes, if they're this morning, I judged myself, and I tried to correct it quickly. There was a time, and Amy can attest to this, where in the middle of all that kind of thing, dude, I would have messed up my preaching today, right? 
And then I would have went home and blamed her. Just being honest, in my 20s, I would have. Can't believe we had a fight on the way to church. Now I can't be anointed. How am I supposed to be anointed and preach the word of God, you know, when you fighting me, you know? I was a jerk, man, when I was in the 20s. I, thank you for staying with me. <laughs> and wives, listen, if your husbands are messed up when they're in their mid-20s, don't give up. Don't give up on them. <laughs> I'm serious. It takes a while. It takes a little longer for us. Amen? It does. Ooh, I didn't expect to get emotional. Almost 28 years next summer with that woman. Yeah. Ooh. All right. So, self-criticism. That's what I was trying to get at. But I would, have, like, I would have talked so bad about myself in my head for the rest of the day, the rest of the service. It just, it's how it would have been. Guy Winch, he said it this way. He said, the greatest damage rejection causes is usually self-inflicted. Just when our esteem is hurting most, we go and we damage it even further with negative self-talk. Rejection, it damages our mood, and we begin to negatively speak about the situation, negatively speak about ourselves, and then our esteem dips, and all this extra anger, it, it swells and aggression, and next thing you know, the destabilization, this, this, I can't say it. The destabilization of our, of our, of our um, belonging. We, we stop feeling like we belong. And all that stuff starts to manifest. Because it affects our self-esteem, we become intensely self-critical. We'll call ourselves names. We'll lament our shortcomings. We'll feel disgusted with ourselves, and we won't let it die. Guys, all growing up, I was a klutz. Some of my friends would say, eh, still a little. And, um, and it was always, Ross! You know, it was always like, I mean, I, just all the time, breaking stuff. Amy, my favorite thing to say, Amy always will repeat it or say it after I say it. I'll say, I can't have anything nice. Y'all, I can't tell you how many things I've bought and within the two weeks of having it, it's broke, you know? I, I, don't, I have this anointing to break things. I don't know what it is. Last night, Mitch, our saxophone player, his son Dalton was married last night. And um, I go to the wedding. I got my two little ones because Amy stayed home to get things ready for this evening's party. And, and um, I go to get my kids into the aisle there and to get them into the seats. And they had garland running down the aisles. Beautiful. And they had little jars with candles lit in them. And, I, and the garland's about this far off the ground. And I, I just, I trip over it. As I trip, I knew it was bad. And next thing you know, I look back, and this liquid's flying out of this jar. Thank God, extinguishing the candle when I realized that's not oil. I was worried it was oil. I was worried I have lit this house on fire. I'm like, this, I have destroyed this. And, 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 and don't you lie to me, Danny and Lori. They saw it. They were losing it. You know, I saw it out the corner of my eye, like, oh, gosh, you know. And I know what they were thinking in their head. That's our pastor, you know. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and, but here's the thing. I'm just going to be really honest. There was a time in my life before I began to live this above-the-line mindset the last couple years that that would have got so messed up in my head, the negative self-talk. You're just, you're such a clutch. You're so stupid. Why can't you do anything right? Where, why don't you look at your feet? 
What's wrong with you? Blah, 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 and so on, so on. And I would have just got so in my head, you know, that literally later on that night, I'd have dropped pizza in my lap. I'm serious. I'd have tripped on the dance floor, fell down. Now I'd have turned it into the warm. I looked awesome, you know. But, but I'm still just saying, you know, it's like it would have messed up the whole night, that negative self-talk. I'd be like, I'm such a schlemiel. Everybody's like, schlemiel? All right, Yiddish lesson, ready? So a schlemiel is somebody who spills soup. A schlemazel is the guy that got the soup spilled on him. Now you know. Remember Laverne and Shirley, schlemiel, schlemazel? Now you know. Thought you want to know that. But that's what in my head. I would have been so, and it would have, it would have created an environment where guess what? I would have done more stupid stuff. And I would have went home just depressed and etc. And, and I remember back in the day, I would have carried it into today, you know? And so all I'm trying to say is we we do that. We speak negatively to ourselves and so on. And so, in other words, um, or let me let me say it this way: that um, oh, I just moved that. Mm-mm-mm. We're almost done here. In other words, we, just when our self-esteem is hurting most, we go and we damage it even further. The Word of God says it this way, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. When we embrace the rejection and we begin to meditate on that negativity, it becomes a part of who we are. Number two here, remind yourself what is truly important. That's the second thing. If you're going to break free from rejection, remind yourself what is truly important. If we allow ourselves to get blinded by the sting we feel from rejection, we can miss what is really important in life. You know what's important in life? No matter who rejects you, you still, in that moment, you have the Lord in your life. It says here in Hebrews 13, 5, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I love this one, King David. You remember King David? He had a reason to feel rejected. Remember he messed up with Bathsheba? He has a reason to feel rejected from family, from from the Lord even. And in Psalm 27, 10, he said, For my father and my mother have forsaken me, but the Lord takes me in. The Lord knew what he was doing in his life, and the Lord took him in. Not only, though, do you have the love of God, you also have the love of the people around you that value you. Remind yourself of those people. A few years ago, I was rejected by a few people, and it turned into a group, and that group left the church. And for six months, man, that's all I could think about was the rejection. I couldn't think about the important things in my life, like I have an incredible staff. Give your staff a thanks. Amen. I couldn't think about the things in life like, like, like I have an incredible congregation. Y'all are awesome. You serve, you give, you're authentic. I get compliments all the time in town by people saying, man, your people are incredible. So I just applaud you. But during that six months, I couldn't see that there were 700 people that call this their church. About 300 and some on a Sunday morning since COVID. Used to be a little over 400. But, but about 700 called this their home church. And will be here within, you know, uh, one to six weeks. They'll be here at least every time or up to one time in the, in the six weeks. I couldn't look at that, you know. All I could lament on was all these people that left, you know. And, and all the negative self-talk for six months. And then the Lord got me through that, you know? Man, and now I'm healed of that, fully healed of that, you know? Like I had a guy not too long ago upset that I'm not political enough for them, for him, you know? And I won't say which side of the politics. And said he was going to leave the church, you know? And I just told him, I said, man, listen, go. I followed up my go with... I will not talk you into staying. 
If the vision of this house isn't good enough for you to stay here, then another church deserves to get you. You should go. But all I'm telling you is there's a vision in this house. Marriage is getting healed. Addicts are getting delivered. Lives are changing. People getting saved. People getting baptized in the Holy Ghost. People getting healed. Little kids growing up under the admonition of the Lord. And I kind of got that loud on the phone. I was like, I'm hallelujah, glory. You know, I was getting excited. I was. And, um, and I'm so thankful that guy has come back. And, I, I, and I'm not going to say who he is, you know. But, um, man, I'm just so thankful because I know his heart is good. He's just learning and growing. Amen? But I'm just honest. I'm like, I'm not going to, no, I got too much stuff to put my hands to for the kingdom to worry about one person getting bent out of shape. Don't let the door. No, I'm not going to say that. Okay. <laughs> All right. But I lost what was important, you know? Like I said, staff, church family, my wife, my kids. Guys, if there's anybody, man, important. I mean, like, if it's all down to just you and your mama, right? I'm serious. My mother, oh, my gosh, I was going through all that stuff. And, and my mother, if you guys know my mom, she's dingy, right? But she's anointed. And, and mom, man, she would call and say, Ross Allen, I just feel like I'm supposed to come and pray for you. All right, mama. And she began to pray in the Holy Ghost. And the next thing you know, she got baptized in the Holy Ghost when she was in her 50s. And next thing you know, she'd flip because the Bible says pray in the spirit and with understanding. So she began to pray in English. And it was just like right to the mark of what I was going through. Like, oh my gosh, this is so much better than what you did to me as a child. You know, speak prophetically. Don't feed your kid so much food. When I was little and we were going through hard times, that rejection, that pain and everything, it'd be like, honey, here, you need to have a box of Captain Crunch. Oh, and she would laugh. My boy ate a whole box of Captain Crunch. Yes, he did. Hercules, Hercules. <laughs> you know, she'd be like, my son drinks two gallons of milk a day. And I did. And I looked like I did, you know, but that's where I took my comfort. And you guys know me. That's where I still take my comfort, you know? And when I was going through that three years ago with all the rejection, I hit 300 pounds. Why? It's like, mom, man, she used to hug me and feed me. I'm going to get fed and I'll hug Amy and just lean on her and just eat, you know? Ain't nothing like pinto beans and cornbread to make you feel better, you know? And, um, but no, I thank God for a mama who that's important. And she's learned, man, just to speak into my life prophetically. It's powerful. So that's two. Number three, we're almost done. Remind yourself what God says about you. You feel rejection by a person? Remind yourself what God has said about you. In other words, God accepts what men reject. The root of rejection is actually incredibly simple. It damage, it's damage from rejection. It's the result of misplaced identity. That's what the damage is from. So whenever we base our identity on somebody or something other than what God's word has to say about us, we make ourselves vulnerable to the damage of rejection. And many of us will do that. We'll base our identity on what our parents, teachers, or friends think of us. And I want you to guard your heart, remind yourself what God says. Your identity as a person does not come from those who are rejecting you. No, your identity comes from God who created you and loves you so much. In Romans 8, 31, it says, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Amen? So you're going through something. Remind yourself what God's word says. I'm such a, oh, I can't do anything. I can't, no, 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 I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. 
Man, I feel so below. I feel so knocked down. No, I'm the head and not the tail. I'm above and not beneath. Start speaking the word to it. Amen. Nobody wants to hang out with Ross. Man, he will never leave me nor forsake me. You know? So when we base our identity upon what the word of God has to say about us, we will become virtually rejection proof. We can become immune from the wounds of rejection as long as we're not basing our identity upon what other people think of us. Last thing, you'll hate me for this. No, I don't want to feel rejection. (laughs) Say, I love you, pastor. All right, good. I'm going to receive that, and I'll give you the fourth one. (laughs) So forgive those who you have perceived has rejected you. Forgiveness towards the person who's rejected you is a vital step in handling rejection. And so I want to ask you, how is your heart towards people or a person, a situation, who has rejected you? How's your heart? You know, Jesus said, that, that, that wanted to know, are you going to love them like I've commanded you to love? How's your heart? Well, I can't. They've done so much to me. And um, if we want God's help in the healing process, forgiveness isn't an option. And so that person that I dealt with a few years ago that brought so much rejection and pain and hurt, it wasn't just a few weeks ago. God gave me an opportunity. And I was driving, and I went to pull into a spot, and a guy caught it before me. And, um, and then I went around the parking lot. I feel like God set this up. And as I'm pulling, I see the person up ahead. And I'm like, <laughs> got an opportunity. No. But I thought I pulled up alongside, and I rolled the window down, and I said, hey, I said the person's name, and they went, oh, and they walked over, and they leaned into my window, and I'm asked how I was doing, I, you know, just the typical niceties, and then all of a sudden, it was just like, she goes, can I come around and give you a hug? And every part of me would be like, no. But I said, yeah, yeah, so she came around, hugged me, sorry, I love you. You know, it was just, it was just it was not a long conversation at all, and that was that. You know? But man, for six months, I let it control my brain. That person and a bunch of others that were part of this. I let it control my brain. But I let go of that a long time ago. And now here's the opportunity to walk in forgiveness. Amen? But I do want to encourage you to understand this. Okay, ready? Listen, don't lose, don't miss this. You still set boundaries. There's nothing wrong with boundaries. Pastor, are you saying you forgive and just let them hurt you or... No, setting boundaries is not the antithesis of forgiveness. It's actually part of the process of forgiveness that leads to true healing. For what has been broken by rejection, it needs time to heal. And those boundaries create time to heal. Like a cast is a boundary upon the brokenness of an arm. Amen? Now, for me, guess what? I got fixed. I don't jump dirt bikes no more. Why? It's a boundary. Oh, I ride my motorcycle all the time, and I will, I will ride in the woods, but I'm, I'm, not, I'm not trying to jump 60-foot, 80-foot gaps anymore. I'm, I'm almost 50. I'm old. <laughs> so I just want to encourage you, if you need to put a boundary in a situation, do it, all right? And I'm finishing with this. Let's go back to see how Jesus handled his rejection. We started with Isaiah 53.3. He was despised, say despised, and rejected by men. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and as one from whom men, say, hide their faces. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Say, esteemed him not. 
Those are all words of rejection. Ready? Despised, it means dismissed, looked down upon. Hide their faces, avoidance. They avoided, they wanted to avoid them. Esteem not, not valued. Can you see that? This all was thrown on Jesus, it says. But Isaiah 53 goes on to talk about the suffering servant who laid it all on the line for yours and my benefit. In spite of all the rejection, the reality of his rejection, but in the middle of all that, the suffering servant sacrificed in spite of the rejection. Here's what it says in Isaiah 53, the next verse. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. He was pierced for our what? Transgressions. We did him wrong, but he forgave. And he took the sacrifice for us. He was crushed for our iniquities, our failures, the things that we did wrong upon him, the sicknesses that we have, and so on. Was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. Last part, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned away. We've turned. We've rejected Jesus. We turn. Do you catch that? We turn like sheep who have gone astray, and the Lord has laid on him, on Jesus, the iniquity of us all. There's no reason with all the rejection from start to finish in Jesus' life should he accept a sinner like us. Amen? And if he does, we can. Amen? If we will, we will. Amen? And so I want you to close your eyes. If right now you are going through a feeling of rejection in some situation, raise your hands. Right now, right now. Yeah, 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 yeah. I want you to begin to prepare your heart just for God to release you from that bitterness, to allow you to walk in forgiveness, still set boundaries, but walk in forgiveness, begin to speak those things that are positive, not negative over yourself, and begin to read and speak the word of God over your life, knowing what God has said of who you are. Father, in the name of Jesus, bless my friends, and we thank you for what you've done in spite of all the rejection. We are benefit, beneficiaries of your sacrifice, and we love you, Jesus, in your name. Amen. Give God some praise. Thanks for joining us for this week's message. For more information, please check out www.momentumchurch.tv.